This is the 919 Beer Podcast on Buzz Sports Radio. Brought to you by Biracana Craft Beer and Music Festival on Saturday, September 9th. More details at Biracana.com. Now, here are your hosts for the 919 Beer Podcast, Joe Ovius, Adam Ashbaugh, and Wayne Holt. Welcome into the 919 Beer Podcast. My name is Alec Campbell. I'm not Joe Ovius. Joe Ovius is gone uh, again down to Puerto Rico. How much vacation is that dude He's got a lot of job security. I mean... It's like Joe says, we take a lot of vacation because we get a lot of vacation. I know, right? Uh, But yeah, he was out a couple weeks ago. He's out again this week. Um, So I'll be sitting in for him, Adam Eshbaugh, Wayne Holt, and... Our girl, Lauren Brownrow, show family hanging out as well today. Packed Yay. house for the 919 Beer Pod. This is great. Lauren's finally like joining us, like for real joining us. We're adding some real culture to the show. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I don't and know about all that. Culture. And about, some barrel culture, that's right. Yeah. About damn time. I know. <laughs> um, so what's been up with you guys? What's what's going on in, in beer world? Well, the Brew Public stash last week was... Uh, I double the stash. I thought it was pretty tasty. I didn't get through all of them, but uh, I enjoyed that CLT. From Catawba, the Charlotte beer, that was uh, that was yeah. pretty tasty. What you think? Yeah, so I think that's their beer that they're actually brewing in Charlotte yeah. at their Charlotte um, Charlotte brewery, their brew pub. Yeah, is it? Do they have food there? I don't know if they brew do. Pub? Okay, we know they have a brewery. Though. They have the brew. So now they have and three. it's a pub, so they have a brew pub without food. Now they have three. They're, they started in Morganton. They moved. They expanded to Asheville, and now they're in Charlotte as well. So, so another. Uh, you know, we had a uh, what was it? Roaring Riot. I actually have four because they've got the one down in Biltmore Village still. Okay. Yep. All right. So we had a Nota Charlotte beer, the Roaring Riot. Yep. That sad Panthers fan I don't think got to taste. But (laughs) but uh, this was our Charlotte beer, Lauren. We got to know your your thoughts on this one because you are you are our our Panthers resource here. (laughs) I really liked it a lot. It wasn't my favorite that I tried. Not a huge IPA fan, right? Um, it depends. (laughs) And yeah, that's the thing. This one I think tasted as heavy as it was supposed to. So, like, it was just, you know what I mean? Like, the 7%, like, I could taste every bit of that. So, it was like, whoa. It was just, it was an experience to drink it. But, I mean, I still thought it was pretty smooth. It was definitely very drinkable for me, though. I did like it. It just wasn't my favorite that I tried this week. But it was probably second, actually. Yeah? Yeah, number two. I liked it that it was a 16-ounce can. Yes. Yeah, I liked that, too. And the can was nice looking. I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Pounders, man. Yeah, I I took, took the dogs for a walk. And drank it on the walk, so it was a really? good uh, dog do you, walking beer as well. Do you right. think Vegas that you do? or something? I mean, nice. Is it? No, I mean, I like look, that. it was after work last night. Get home, it was a nice night. Had some Took beers. I know, I knew I needed to drink some beers. Yes. So, like, I and I am not a, I'm not a fast beer drinker, and I don't drink lots of beers at night because I feel like it ruins my, like, I got stuff to do the next Your day, and I'm, a, edge? I'm a terrible. No, I'm just, I get, I'm terrible with. Any like hangover or any feeling of a hangover, so I can't deal with it. So I can I just, feel you today. Like I will do, I will do wine and I will do like a liquor drink before I'll drink multiple beers in a night. What about all of them? Uh, I Which did, is what I did last night. You drank wow. all of them. See, I would yeah. be. Oh not, man, I would, wait, I would not wait, be we doing. We interrupt this. I would not be doing this with you right now. What happened last night? What was so I, crazy special about last night? No, I just went out for the first time. In a little bit, you know, with I met Carlos out, and then it went downhill from there. Yeah, man. I met Carlos at like five forty-five. But and Carlos isn't drinking. Carlos isn't drinking. That's correct. But the you're people, drinking for two. The people that gathered around us over the next five hours. Um, Carlos has all the self-control for both of you. He did last night for sure. He still does. Yeah. Gotcha. See, I would not be able to formulate sentences. Well, let's right just now, say my normal get-up time is around five o'clock. At five o'clock, 
I woke up, I looked at the clock, I rolled back over and got up at 6.30. And it was about 8 o'clock before I was functioning properly, so yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad I wasn't texting you last night. I was texting Adam, and he was peer pressuring me to drink all the rest of the beers I had, oh, if because been, you would have been like... All I did was challenge you. Alex's manhood. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel yeah. like it would have been tenfold. Yeah, it would have been worse. With and all the beers a, he had in I only had a taste of, of someone's wine, because they were talking about how great it was. I'm like, I don't drink wine, but I'll try it, but... Quite a few beers and uh, and then bourbon, and I'm having a bourbon, and then somebody comes over and sits down a double in front of me on the rocks, and I'm like, it's impolite, not, it's impolite not to drink it. Right. Somebody mm. bought you a drink. Ooh. Oh, so yeah. It Seems was, like um, such a good idea at the time. <laughs> All right, so back to Brew Public. Um, let's just run down the list real quick. We've got from last week, sorry, moving the mic, uh, we doubled up last week because we weren't able to connect the week before, but we had Bull City Cider Works rise up. That was their ginger cider. Uh, Sugar Creek's IPA. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, which I thought was delicious. That was my favorite. Really? Yeah. It's good. Nice. And I we, loved we, it. Uh, you went to their uh, Doobie, their black IPA. Uh, that was my favorite. It was your favorite. It was. I got gotcha. you. Um, we had Champion, the True Love, their Mexican style lager. Yeah, I like that. That was good. It's I, perfect for this weather. I didn't have a yeah. lime, which I was upset about. Okay. I feel like it needed a lime. That, okay, it had, yeah. It, it had, needed something. It for had sure. a little bit of a bitterness to it, like a almost like a Campari style bitterness to it. If you've ever tasted Campari just straight up, um, it, it so it, it wasn't my favorite one, but I could see how it could be a little bit more drinkable if I had a, which is weird to say with the fruit in it. Mm-hmm. But it, it no, was. I could see that. It, it was it a weird flavor. I to was surprised. It was surprisingly not as drinkable as I thought. I agree with you. I was kind of like, why is this not? I don't yeah, know. I was, was trying to put my finger on it, but to me, it just it just had a bitterness okay. factor to it, um, and not and not in the and not in the like bitter beer commercial like type Keystone? way, like not like a Keystone. No, yeah, yeah. I, like I think that gets misconstrued as just bad beer. Yeah, like this was just uh like I said, I like Campari is the best thing I can. I can really, I can yeah. relate it to. I, it. I didn't love that one for yeah. what it was. Um, uh, we talked about the Catawba IPA, and then we had uh, see that Highwire one. That one Uprising. didn't. That the Catawba one didn't stand out to me at all. No, no. Like, I, I just I feel like it was it. a normal so what was your, IPA. What was your favorite one? The the black IPA. Okay, the Doobie. Yeah. Had, by the way, how do you say that? The Unita. Uenta. Uenta. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Uenta. They're out of Utah. So interesting fact about those guys. They. Are in Utah, and in Utah, you are not allowed to sell in-state um, draft. At least, you're not allowed to sell anything over four percent. What? Or four and a half percent? Are you serious? Yeah. So a lot of the beers they produce, oh, thank you. They produce for out-of-state consumers. Oh wow. Yeah. We thought we were behind here. But in but North if Carolina. you look at, at their what is it? Their 801 Pilsner. Um, a few others are, are right at that four percent mark because they can actually. They can actually serve those. Oh my god! Yeah, that's Utah beer laws. Well, I mean, as you know, I am—I'm a porter guy. I'm a stout guy. I'm okay. a coffee guy. So you like that roast? So yeah, I, I like those multi aspects, right? Um, and for an IPA, yeah, I, I I just enjoyed it a lot more. You know, black IPAs like were kind of the hotness there a few years ago, and then I just you don't see a, a ton of them mm-hmm. anymore. And and as a um, as a beer buyer for a couple of different places, they don't really move very quickly. I can see that uh, on draft. They're they're uh, there's a lot going on with them. Mm-hmm. They're they're heavier 
Mm-hmm. You don't see a whole lot of session black IPAs, right? You know, all that, all that, all that dark, roasty, rich malt with the hops. It's just, it's a lot of flavor in them. I, think I it agree. Kinda, it kind of. It's never know, been one of my favorite off. styles. I mean, it's I, I shot yeah, away from. Yeah, I but. think people liked them at first because they were new and and it was, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like okay. But I'm also uh, a guy who I like I like black coffee. I like uh, dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like gamey foods. I like super rich flavors. Yeah, well, that's right up your alley yeah. then. So there's a couple local ones that that you should check out. Deep Rivers got a got one called Backcountry that that always does pretty well. Um, what do you think of? Did anybody have the Hef the High Wire Uprising? I did. Oh yep. yeah, I was. I love Hefeweizen, so I was. I was like, I have high expectations. I liked it, but I didn't love it, so I was kind of disappointed because I love. That's like one of my favorite kinds of beer. So why didn't you love it compared to the other Hefs you like? I don't know. I think it just tasted more like a pale to me, and I was oh. that just wasn't what I was expecting when I w- when I started to drink it, and I'm just like, I don't. I just wasn't feeling it. Interesting. I, I really liked it personally. Like I don't drink a lot of Hefs, um, but. And maybe that's the reason I liked it so much is because I don't have a lot <laughs> have to compare it to. Every now and then. Um, but yeah, it was different. Like I thought it was flavorful. Um, it was light, easy to drink. I mean, to me, it was it was it was solid. It's funny because my wife doesn't really care for uh, for that style either, and uh, I opened it up and asked her if she wanted to share it because that's what I do a lot of times because yeah. there's so many of them. I'm trying to. You know, share with her. That's so we the only can get way I got them. through them last night. Yeah. So, uh, and she said no, and then, sharing, and then she finally went, "Yeah, I'll take it. I'll, I'll taste it." And she's just not a big wheat fan, so she tried it and put it down. She said, "I got to get something else to get the taste out of my mouth." Oh, so wow. we had a Pliny the Elder that Six, was fresh, eight months ah. old. No, it's fresh. <laughs> All right. So this is Brilliant. one that uh, my buddy Paul from California sent me. That was four days old. So wow. it, was, it was probably about. It took us a couple of weeks to drink it because we were. Anyway, so she pulls that out. So we did have a nice Pliny, about a three-week-old Pliny. Nice. Still a good beer. Still a good beer. Yeah, so I took a little day trip to Charlotte the other day. We had some some business stuff to, to take care of on Tuesday. And I, you know, originally we were supposed to have our friend Ryan Self from Old Mac and Craft Freedom on the podcast last week. He couldn't make it up. I ended up meeting with him on Tuesday, and we had a really good conversation but that's the first i've been able to go to old mech's new new place and it's not all that new anymore but it is brilliant it is oh, that was really, your first time that was there? my first time at their me? new spot wow i'm embarrassed to say that because when was i up there? and I they've been in there what two years first beer Kana, i went there because i was returning kegs all over charlotte and we wanted to go over there because kelly had not been in fact yeah. i don't think i think that was my first time so that would have been three years fall then. of 13 14. 14, yeah, that's right. 14 mm-hmm. for Spiricana. Man, wow. what a great spot. It's amazing. Yeah. It's you absolutely been, you amazing. You need to get up there because it's a true German they've, they've beer They've got hall. A, couple, a couple banquet rooms oh, yeah. that you know they, they do events in. Um, no money, the, no dollar was spared in the in the upfit of that place. It absolutely is beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Inside it, and out. There's it's huge trees. And their beer is, is very good. Yeah. I mean, it is mm-hmm. just... It is just Solid German traditional German style beers. Yep. Uh, food's always good. Had one of the best pretzels of my life. That's not an exaggeration. Are, but, are they making those with the spent grain? No, I don't no? think so. Okay. No, it, it, it was just a regular, regular pretzel. It was delicious. But uh, I, I ended up walking down the street to their old place, which is Sugar Creek now. And um, you know, we just had that Sugar Creek IPA, mm-hmm. uh, and I actually got a, a mocha porter that was very nice. 
Mm, coffee milk Ostala would that's never right, that's exactly what I'm in yeah it was really tasty really good I just I needed a little caffeine for the afternoon okay yeah for getting stuck in the Charlotte <laughs> traffic Captain Captain Jack's all afternoon yeah given the fact you didn't make it back to your yeah. own uh... no I ended up I ended up getting home about 930 Tuesday oh, so, night so you got back for the lager takeover at the mason jars <laughs> yeah so you went to that how, I how, did go, how'd it go? Um, I guess it wasn't what I was expecting what were you expecting? I was expecting to be some of the collabs you guys have been uh, working no. on with just some of the triangle collabor- just just some no, no collaborations with us. It was uh, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about. We had a uh, lager triangle brewing triangle breweries uh, lagers. We did a little takeover ten ten different lagers on the Mason Jar Tavern in Holly Springs, and uh, it was a pretty decent range. Yeah, it was. I think out of our, our group, so uh, Aaron and Darren, Kelly and myself were there, and I think we probably tried six or seven of them as far as we yeah. got different ones. I don't think – I think I think Kelly and Darren got one that was the same, but then I think we all tried different things. We got to pass them around and try. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I, was, I wasn't I was disappointed. It just I, – I was expecting – because I knew you guys had been doing some collaborations. Gotcha. Uh, traveling. Well, you'll and, be able to stop out – if you're listening to this uh, on Friday, yeah. on Friday yeah. you'll be able to stop out to either of the Mason Jar Taverns. We're releasing our, um, we're calling it Imaginary Vacation. It's a double IPL that we brewed with Southern Pines. A lot of tropical fruit notes, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's not the other name we came up with in Nashville, or you guys came up with? No, no. That'll, that'll Save, be used, saving that That'll one. be used later. Saving yeah. that one, yep. yeah, for sure. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we're looking forward to doing that, and uh, that's going to be a fun time. Um but back to Charlotte, Sugar Creek, cool spot. But it was amazing to see the difference in, like, I left Old Mac, walked down to Sugar Creek, had a beer, came back, and Old Mac was just packed. And um, I think that's just kind of the the go-to spot for a lot of people, a lot of after-work events and stuff like that. So, uh, Were those the only two breweries you had up there? Those are the only... No, we had lunch at Heist. Okay, that's right. You did tell me that. Um, Heist is... If if you guys have never... If, if you've never been to... to heist in charlotte they are brewing some really outstanding beers outstanding new england style ipas and pale ales and they can't keep their beer in stock right now they, and the food's always been good their food is excellent and they're building and their upfits incredible yeah, too. it's a beautiful old historic so, building. so they are building uh, a new production facility and the goal i think is is midsummer to be open there and and that's gonna really drastically increase their their um capacity but they we got there and john was like man they got a lot of guest taps on i was like and their yeah, head brewer is uh is, is a female as well right no mm, i thought didn't doesn't heist have a lady brewer they i think they do uh, is it their head brewer i'm not sure okay i, I will know, find I know, out I know there's ask, one yeah scott worthington my which my just goes to show i mean there's a lot of good beer being oh, brewed yeah. in this state with uh with female brewers yeah he said he said yeah. they were gonna uh release an ipa friday and it'll probably be gone by saturday <laughs> Insane. They're just not able to keep them in. They haven't done a cam release since January because there's just not enough space there. But if you get a chance, go down because their beers are wonderful. Really cool spot. They've expanded that spot too. They actually have another little tap room that has wow. a completely different kitchen, but it's connected to their spot now. So a lot was, of cool spaces. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff. Charlotte's got a lot. Charlotte's yeah. got a lot. Spaces. They say that. Yeah. Yeah. If you quit, has it's a dash more. Uh, one of the things I wanted to bring up with, with you guys, and especially since barrel culture brewing and blending is going to be on with us here in a little bit, they're doing something that's so unique, especially in this area, and I guess really throughout the country, 
Um, but one of the things I texted you last night when you were badgering me about finishing my beers no, from Republic. No, you texted me, then the badgering started. Yes, whatever. <laughs> Either way, there was badgering involved. It's cause um, and effect. Was that, you know, I didn't feel, I didn't feel necessarily blown away um, by a lot of the beers. And I'm wondering from you guys who, who drink much more beer than I do, um, you know, maybe is that because I'm just used to a lot of these styles or whatever that it's, that it's hard to find some of the nuance um, in some of these beers? Or um, am I just not don't have don't have a sophisticated enough palate for it? But no, I, I but th- you know, like you know, the Charlotte IPA for one, yeah. very good beer, and and right. like I said, I enjoy. I, there wasn't even one that I disliked. Even the ginger beer, I thought was very good. It wasn't. Cider. It wasn't. Su- yeah, the ginger cider. It wasn't super sweet. Um, like I thought it was going to be. I thought I was just going to be a big syrup bomb. Yeah, I um, was worried about it. But the more, actually, like the more I drank it, the more palatable I found it to be. Like at first, I was like, "Whoa!" Because I don't usually do ciders. But I was like, "Okay." Me neither. As you, you drink it, it gets more and more drinkable. Y'all both need to go up there and check out their new space at Bull I, City. I mean, I thought it was clean. Yeah, awesome. I've heard it's great. It's beautiful. I thought it was clean. I thought it was yeah, not, not too not too sweet. That type of thing. Um, so I I really enjoyed all of the beers, but. Finding any type of real nuance with any of the styles there was difficult for me. And so I wondered if that, you know, has set in for you at any time. Yeah, I mean, I I agree 100% that I think that there's so many breweries, uh, not just in North Carolina, but across the country. And there's so many beers available, uh, whether you're at a a bottle shop or you're at the brewery. And I mean, you got a Wicked Weed, I think they have 28 downstairs on it at at any time in their original pub uh, so there's just a lot of choices and there's a lot of really average beer out there i mean there's there's a lot of really good beer mm-hmm. but i think there's more average and bad beer so trying to find those that really stand out and i think you know our guest that's going to be on as you said here in a little bit barrel culture those guys are going to be doing something that's not being done really in the state at the level they're doing it i mean they're going to go straight into just doing uh those wild fermented beers now Wicked Weed is doing some up their Funkatorium, and there's probably a few other places that are doing it on a smaller scale. But this is what these guys are going to do. So, obviously, they've seen the, um, I, I guess, just that they don't want to be like everybody else. You know, everybody, everybody's got an IPA. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got, right. you know, whatever it may be, XYZ, a style, you know, blah, blah, blah. But these guys are coming out with a totally different concept, and I'm excited for them. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's my point, is that, you know, everyone's got a lot of the same stuff out and mm. it's difficult sometimes i feel it's difficult to find the remarkable yeah, yeah to find absolutely. the remarkable yeah. yep. and, and i and and i'm wondering if that's just because i'm spoiled with a lot of great beer i mean like they're all very good and they're all very well done and and you can tell that there's quality ingredients and there's a lot of time and effort put into making those beers um and i don't know if like i said if it's just because they're not good or if it's because we're just becoming used used to as a beer drinking community and especially a craft beer community to having this this type of quality at our fingertips all the time i think we're definitely just spoiled <laughs> we are spoiled <laughs> for but lack too, of better terms i think you've got uh you know you've got a few breweries in, in the triangle and a few across the state that have they have really good beer but they also have the backbone meaning their brewer has education they have experience they understand brewing beer commercially whereas a lot of breweries these guys are home brewers that have not really accomplished anything in the homebrew world as far as winning consistently in the homebrew world uh whereas steve who's going to come on from barrel culture has some experience in that world as does Whit baker and you're going down the line a lot of these guys have that experience in the homebrew world winning and consistently winning so they've been able to take it to another level but 
on the other side of the coin, you've got the guys that were homebrewed in their garage for six months, and now they think they can brew beer because one of their friends or their neighbors at a party told them they brew good beer, and right. now they want to go open. Friends at a party. Right. right. They want to go open up a brewery, so what you get at the breweries, you get homebrew, and it's not good. And we, there's a lot of that across the state and across the country as well. And those guys, we talk about it periodically, they begin to weed themselves out because the cream is going to rise. The good beer is going to, people are going to drink the good beer, and the other stuff, they're not. Uh, before we uh, move on to our guests, there are a few events. Uh, Draftline uh, farewell party is this Saturday. Um, actually, farewell weekends, Friday and Saturday. So if you're looking for something to do, uh, get one last taste of Draftline. They're going to have some food trucks and some live music out there. Also, And an auction. They're going to auction off stuff off the walls and other things, too. Uh, so, yeah. Gotcha. So the following weekend, uh, Four Saints anniversary party weekend is, is going to be out there. Um we Mason Jar did a collab with them. We were going to do a Maybach uh, release on that Sunday. If you're out in Ashboro taking your kids to the to the zoo, stop by uh, for that. And also, if you're in town and you want to go to an awesome meal, um, Big Mike's Barbecue is going to have the NC Butts and Brett dinner uh, May seventh at four p.m. With uh, with Wicked Weed and Big Mike's Barbecue, so that's going to be a pretty pretty cool event too. Yeah, and on that same day, the seventh, uh, my wife and I are going to Mystery. Uh, we got an invitation. She's part of a foodie group, and uh, Mystery's new kitchen is opening, and they're doing beer and food pairings uh, that day. And because I'm married to her, I get to go. So I'm nice. excited about that. The perks of marriage. Yeah, you know there are perks. Mm. A few. All right, let's welcome in our guests today, Steve English and Patrick Keegan from Barrel Culture Brewing and Blending. Got a new uh, place opening up, hopefully here in the new in the near future. Uh, really unique concept, um, at least from my perspective. Uh, especially, unique, yeah. especially for me as a guy who uh, I'm I'm into probably wine and whiskey a lot more than I am beer a lot of times. So the barrel aging process is something that I'm particularly interested in. And uh, that's that's kind of a different type of thing um, in terms of uh, brewing beer. So guys, welcome welcome in. Thanks for hanging out with us today. How are things? Yeah, thanks for, thanks for having us. Excellent. Uh, so, I mean, I guess as we get started here, tell us a little bit about like how you guys identified this niche of barrel brewing and um, you know how it all kind of came about. Sure. So we've been in the local beer culture for about 10 years now. Um, so we were definitely beer drinkers before we were brewers. Um, and then sort of traveling around and, and experimenting with different styles, especially when it comes to like uh, attending bottle shares. You get to try beers from all over the country, you know, a lot of times all over the world. Um, and the styles that always really sort of stood out to us was barrel-aged beers. Um, that was something that we knew we, we eventually wanted to do when we started talking about opening our own space. Um and I guess kind of the twist on it for us is we wanted to to bring wine drinkers sort of to the craft beer market. And to do that, we wanted to to add a local terroir to our beer. Um, you probably heard other other brewers talk about it who, who try to brew with almost a sense of place or origin um, to give the beer sort of a unique character. So anyway, long story short, we started working with some local farmers and, and experimenting with uh, just spontaneously fermenting with the microflora and bacteria that were, that were found on the fruit skins. And... Uh, we started to really develop our process. So, so speaking of your process, let's let's start from the ground up because you guys are really unique, especially in this area, for what you're going to be doing. So, 
you guys are doing what's called open fermenting. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So you're not like when you go into a brewery, you usually see these big uh, cone, you know, these big vessels with cones on the bottom. Um, they're called conical fermenters. You don't have any of those. Nope. You're using oak barrels. That's right. And you should be able to walk into your brewery and see a bunch of oak barrels that are just bubbling away. Yep. Pretty much. Yep. That's accurate. Um, okay. And you say spontaneous fermentation, so you're not really going to be pitching a whole lot of yeast like ordinary brewers. Is that correct? Yeah, we we don't plan on buying any commercial yeast at all. So you're just you're just relying what's on what's in the air and what's actually on the fruit skins. Yeah, and over the past twelve months, we've we've worked to develop over thirty cultures. So we have mixed cultures from different fruit that we isolated as we were doing our test batches and. Uh, with things like old vintage bottles of lambic that you know have probably a hundred different strains of yeast and bacteria, we've mixed those with our with the things that we found and and we really have a lot of different unique mixed cultures that we're using, which kind of gives us the benefit of um, fermenting all of our barrels. So essentially, we wanted to open with a hundred barrels, which would give us um, three different barrels for each strain of yeast, and then we're going to add things like honey and different things so that we can practice our blending process but i i have a just a question because i don't know about it. i've never open fermented you know i've never i've never seen it okay right. how because you don't have the conical fermenters fermenters mm-hmm. um what happens to your yeast and how do you get your beer out without the yeast just gunking it up or you just not even worry about it well we actually um so two different ways one we have uh five uni tanks that are going to be located in our walk-in cooler so we're going to force carb okay. uh, a lot of the draft that we're serving. So that allows us to kind of cold crash it. Gotcha. Um, but for the uh, bottle condition ones, you know, we're just bottle conditioning it out. So, yeah, definitely room temperature, ambient, you know, around 70 degrees. Um, and then working through that, the process in that way. I am really anxious to get up there once you guys are, you know, brewing in your space yep. um, to, to see what's, what's going on. It's funny because... Um, you and I, we're, we're starting things that are completely different, but they're also a lot different than the norm for, uh, for this area as far as beers go. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Wayne and I have talked a lot about that, about, you know, sort of how we really couldn't wait for the, the Wake County area to, to, to sort of evolve and mature more like Asheville so that all the breweries have their own niche. Whereas, you know, like the Wake County triangle breweries are, there are a lot of good ones, but I think they don't really experiment or push the boundaries too far in the different styles and different things they're producing. Um, but if you go to Asheville, then you have something like, you know, Wicked Weed on one side, you know, Burial. All, all of them kind of have their own little place. So Patrick and I really wanted to, to create a brewery and push something that we felt like, you know, wasn't around here. And I think based on, you know, social media and stuff already, we've seen other breweries starting to sort of change up a little bit and, and do some of the things that we're doing, too, with more fruited beers. So I think that's that's really the influence that we wanted to have because we really want the beer culture to sort of evolve locally. And I think by pushing the boundaries, we're challenging people to do that. So, Steve, you just mentioned, well, first, welcome. This has been a long time coming, conversations that you and I have been having for Wow, probably a year. Shortly yeah. after I met you, you started talking about opening up a brewery, mm-hmm. not knowing exactly what direction you might go, and then it evolved into this. Uh, when you said everybody's kind of got their own niche now, is that the same as an IPA? You know, niche, IPA? Because <laughs> everybody's got one. You, you, no, that's true. And uh, 
Adam's not going to have an IPA, and I'm guessing you're not either, right? Well, I can't promise that we won't have one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a focus of ours. We may do like a wild IPA. There's a brewery in Colorado called Black Project, and they do a, a turbid mash New Belgian st- or a New England style IPA with their spontaneous wild yeast. And I haven't had an opportunity to try it yet, but it definitely intrigued me. Um, but obviously, we're not going to have any um, any IPAs while we're opening for sure for the first the first bit and it's definitely not going to be like anything people have tried before so if you come in with the expectation of a of a normal ipa you're probably going to be surprised i'm sure yeah i was going to say what's the struggle there when you're trying to introduce people to something new but you also want to get something that's sort of uh easy for them to to get into now ipas are obviously a big thing in the beer world um you know what's what's the what's the struggle the conflict there like do you find yourself you know having to be like okay let's 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 do our best to stay true to what we are and what we want to be um but at the same time you know you have to find a way to 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 bring people in yeah no that's definitely a challenge and and when we started brewing we were going with the new england ipa um sort of uh approach to brewing so we we brewed those beers for about a year actually um, that's the one we won. Like all the the competitions that we've entered in have all been with New England IPAs. Like a lot of people haven't actually tried our wild ales before. Um, but I got to go out to Colorado last year and meet Troy Casey, which he won best new brewer in the world for Rate Beer in 2017. And his process is very similar to ours. Um, and he really just sort of introduced me to what was possible with just going all barrels. A uh, guy that worked at Coors, you know, relocated because his his wife uh, got a job in Aspen, so he uh, opened up in a little yeah, small strip. Beer flows like wine, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Um, he actually uh, just rented a little strip mall right on the river there. Uh, it was actually the basement, and had like forty thousand dollars. He cashed in his four hundred one k or whatever, and just opened a brewery and you know, best new brewer in the world. Actually, didn't brew any beer, which is the interesting part. He actually contracted all his wort. So that's how we originally had the contract wort idea. Ex- explain that. Just take it back for yep. for Joe Dad, who's taking his kids to soccer on Saturday morning, listening to this on the radio. Yep. What is wort? What is contract wort? What's that even mean? So, so or, for, or just for me sitting right here <laughs> in the <for> studio. <laughs> so, wort is actually the uh, the first step in the process when you're extracting sugars from grain. Um, it's basically classified as hot and cold side when you're talking about the brewing process. So, wort uh, production is on the hot side, kind of like making tea, um, but it's not actually considered beer or a controlled alcoholic beverage until you pitch the yeast. So you can actually have another brewery produce that wort for you. You either pay for the grains or you contract the the equipment, um, and then you can transport that back to your brewery. And it's still not controlled under the TTP guidelines until you pitch the yeast, and then it becomes a you know a controlled uh, liquid for for better or worse. Um, so that's what he was doing because a lot of times when you're opening up a brewery, one of the biggest um, investments is that brewing that brewing system. Uh, it can be you know hundreds of thousands of dollars. So if you can eliminate that and find a brewery that will will actually contract your award. And a lot of times other breweries will do it just because it's an additional revenue stream for them. You know, they're not constantly using their brewing equipment, so you make a deal to come in at night or, you know, on an off brewing day and produce some wort. It actually allows them to generate a little bit more money for themselves while they're not using their equipment. So I think it can be mutually beneficial. Um, it's just kind of uh not the normal process, I think. So why is this not happening? Why is this so scarce? Are people just not knowledgeable enough to do it? Are they scared? What is the reason that this is such a a different way and a scarce way of brewing beer in this area and around the country? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, 
brewing processes are so defined, especially in the commercial space, on how to control with lab yeast and the turnaround time and how to you know, build your business model around something that's predictable. Um, and I think that's a safe bet a lot of times. I mean, there's a lot of experimentation still even in that process. But with what we're doing, it's I think it's scary to a lot of people because you can't really control the outcome. Um, since we've been since we started building our cultures, we actually built, uh, originally planned on 65 cultures, and we dumped over half of them just through the process of stepping those up and developing the yeast and finding out that some of the flavors they were producing were not something that we'd want someone to experience in our beer. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of hard work, and it, it requires a lot of passion and dedication because you're going you're gonna to have a lot of beer that you're going to have to dump out initially as you're trying to figure out what's going to work. Uh, once you get to those good yeasts, though, you just keep strengthening them and keep building them up, and and then you have something that's commercially viable, which is kind of where we are today with the with the beers that we brought in for you guys to try. So Adam said he was going to go back a little bit. I'm going to go back further. Uh, you mentioned your homebrewing experience and winning some contests. So tell us a little bit about how you got started, when you got started. What got you to this point? Because I know everybody that's a fan of this podcast knows Whit Baker over at, at Bond. Yep. And my understanding is that you and Whit used to battle a little bit uh, occasionally in these homebrews, and everybody knows what they've done over there. So we're really hoping we're going to see the same thing from you, even though this really wasn't what you were doing back then, right? Right. Yeah. So yeah, Whit Whit Baker and I are great friends. He's he's definitely been a great resource for us um, going through this process. So, and we and we talked about this a lot. I think Whit is kind of and Bond Brothers is kind of you know the uh, leaders of the new school. Um, per se around here because a lot of new breweries are starting and a lot of uh, different types of breweries are starting based on the success of others. So he's definitely been a great resource to us. And But if I had to describe myself, you know, being such good friends with him, I think he represents kind of one extreme to brewing and I'm sort of the other, whereas he's very science-based. Um, you know, he was like a chemistry teacher in high school. Nerd. He gets <laughs> out on it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Big he, time. No, he really does. He's such a wealth of information. Um, and I'm like the complete opposite. So more the art side typically when i'm explaining my process he just you know he he loses Fringes, it. Yeah, yeah he yeah. he walks if he walks into the brewery i'm sure he would have a a panic attack just based on some of the things we're doing um just because they're so different invite but, me over but what gets you into the home brewing? How, how, did that, how did that come around so the home brewing aspect was really pretty funny because um my wife's uh brother was actually working for boeing in seattle and they had you know a really developed craft beer culture there and he got into home brewing, um, got accepted into MIT for his master's program, moved to Boston for a couple of years, and then when he finished, he moved to Charleston. Well, he was big into home brewing, so he continued that in Charleston. And uh, one morning when he was waking up to fly out to Seattle for a business meeting that he was late for, um, he had fermented a, a Hefeweizen in his um, living room, and it blew the airlock off and was all over the walls. Um, he didn't have time to clean it up, Hold so it he smelled like bananas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he ran out um, to catch his plane, and his wife came downstairs that morning, and you know, pretty much lost it and told him his then wife. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's over. So you can either I can throw this out, or you can give it to one of your friends. And he knew his his sister was really big into craft beer, um, and he knew that I was into cooking. So he thought, you know, I'll just I'll give it to my sister and her and her husband. And, and he had one last extract batch to brew on it. Um, so he came up two weekends later for, for something that we had planned anyway. And we brewed. And uh, it was actually called Mac and Jacks. It's a Seattle, a Seattle beer, but it's a, like an amber ale that tastes like apples. Wow. Um, it was actually the worst beer I've ever brewed. But <laughs> I was going to say, that doesn't sound appetizing. <laughs> but, um, you know, from the very first you know time that I tried it, I knew it was something that I loved doing. I didn't imagine that we would be opening a business. I just knew, you know, it was something that I was passionate about, and I, I always wanted to brew. I always will brew. Um, so then it just sort of developed from there. I started um, 
actually the next week I went and bought a kegging system and then I went all grain a, a week after that. And that was about seven years ago. Um, started brewing and went back for my sister's wedding uh, about four years ago, three years ago. And um, my uh, my family are pretty hardcore Bud Light drinkers. So I knew it was going to be a challenge if I could sell them on my beer. So uh, I made sure that you know I had force carved everything so there's no yeast in the bottom of the bottles. And I just focused on light beers, which is something that was pretty pretty difficult to brew. Right. As uh, Adam will tell you, and definitely Dave, <laughs> there's no uh, there's no mistakes that you can make in a lager or, or oh, pills. You can make them. You can't cover <laughs> yeah. it up. It, yeah, you can't hide them, I right. guess, is a better way to describe it. So, you know, I brewed seven different light beers, um, took them down, and, and my family crushed them all. And I knew that, you know, I was kind of onto something. Um, so then from that point on, started developing my style and entering homebrew competitions, mostly because the the certified judges, the feedback that I would get, right? Because I wanted to improve. I really... I didn't think that I was going to win stuff, um, but then when I got the judges' feedback, I could I could you know get better at it with their with that qualified feedback. So it really helped me improve definitely. Um, then kind of thinking that you know I was ready to take that next step, but Pat wasn't necessarily uh, convinced. So he wanted me to have some commercial experience, and uh, luckily I knew Scott uh, Palmieri from Cody when we both worked there, and I knew that you know he obviously owned uh, half a draft line. So I I reached out to him and. He was really gracious and, and let me come in and uh, brew alongside of Jamie McMillan, who was his head brewer. So I got seven months of training there, sort of an apprentice, um, and I loved every day of it. You know, twelve-hour days were nothing. Um, and at that point, I kind of convinced my wife and Patrick that you know, okay, he he can do this. Um, and I think that's when we really sort of ramped up the the idea of opening our own brewery. And speaking of draft line, real quick, uh, those of you who are listening to this on Saturday morning, uh, today is draft line's last day. They're having a big party. Uh, come on out. I'll be there. And uh, support. Shut them down. They're going away. So we're talking to Steve English. Nothing else. With, just go out there because Wayne's going to be there. Yeah, yeah, Wayne's yeah. going to be there. <laughs> and Adam may be there. I doubt it. He doesn't get out very often. Well, yeah. still, that's not the reason to go. You're, you go. You'll, you'll right. be the main attraction. That's right. So Steve English, Barrel Culture, Brewing and Blending. Uh, but you brought... Pat here with you, right? I and did. you're hogging the microphone. I am. So yeah, because Pat's going to talk food. We want to talk beer right now. Pat, is that true? You're going to talk food? Nah, I'm just kidding. He can talk both. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so I'll talk about whatever you want to talk about. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> Take the mic, Pat. Uh, so what's what's your role here with with Bear Culture Brewing and Blending? And how'd you get involved? How do you know Steve? What's what's the deal there? Since Steve gave his his biography. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not, uh, uh, the relationship that Steve and I have has always been, uh, you know, uh, like uh, Jay and Silent Bob, you know, I'm more the Silent Bob type. Uh, <laughs> Penn and Teller. I, yeah, Penn and yeah, Teller. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a bad way to be, man. Mm-hmm. You know? So, uh, Steve and I were actually- Know your role and do it well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Steve and I were uh, paratroopers and uh, down at Fort Bragg together um, back in early 2000s. Uh, and we've been, you know, good friends ever since. Uh moved out here uh like in the early 2010s or so to uh we were doing this crazy uh app company you know we 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 had a very eclectic uh professional career uh, but uh yeah like he said uh he started getting the home brewing and turned out to you know he's very good at it um uh so we decided you know let's open a brewery he he wanted to handle the uh the back and i'd always uh my whole family's been uh had a long history of entrepreneurship and you know i've always wanted to own a business uh brewery i'd never thought about owning a brewery before but uh you know seeing his passion you know that you can't help it it's very uh it's very contagious you know steve's very uh well very so, good well at getting everybody's so excited. it works together yeah, exactly yeah he's just like a big teddy bear so, he's got mm-hmm. a great smile he's soft-spoken mm-hmm. you know he's just lovable you just you can't resist him i mean 
All right. Give me so, another beer. All right, Pat, that's enough. Thanks. Uh, so back to you, Steve. You're opening up another beer, and we need to talk about some of these beers before we let you get out of here. So um, first off, this latest fruit beer craze that's going around right now, you look on uh, – now, I'm going to keep my own germs in my in my own glass, Pat, but thanks. Uh, you know, these fruit beers, though, you see them – you're starting to see them pop up more and more. Now, not necessarily here in the Triangle, but more and more when people are going on trips. Like when did you go? Did you go down to Hoonapoo's Day? I didn't this year, but I went okay. last year. Several people went. Mm-hmm. They're all drinking these crazy colored beers. Um, you call them Florida Weiss. Okay. So that's pretty much what we're looking at here. And well, yeah. So we so we actually would classify you our just beers poured in- like a, what is this magenta right, yeah, yeah that's i it. mean that's not your standard beer color. no no it's not um so yeah we, we kind of split our production into two different paths so we do the the wild saison and the um and our wild ales um and then we also do a, a wild berlin and a wild goza which is kind of a a different format um and what we plan on doing is um if i can convince patrick that it's a good idea to do from from the time we open um we're buying a slushy machine so we want to do these fruited berliners and we want to sl- run them in a slushy and then top our beers with like a the slushy machine slush for all of our Berliner styles. And then all of our wild beer and... Um, Just don't tell ALA. I think that's an amazing idea. Our, our saisons. It's off the top of my head. Yeah. Our saisons, we're hoping to kind of keep it more classy, more Belgian, and kind of use the lambic baskets and do bottle on site. Wow. Um, and use wine glasses. So we're going to have two different kinds. Um, and then back to one of your original question, I forgot to answer, but you were saying, you know, it's it's kind of a, how do we make the decision not to go with like an IPA? Right. So I forgot to mention that... In order to convince Patrick to do this, I had to agree that we would run a split tap system. So we're actually only going to have eight of our own beers on tap, and then we're going to have eight other guest taps on. Ah. And in order for those beers to be on tap in our brewery, it has to be a North Carolina award-winning beer, um, representative of a style that we don't produce. So, like an IPA, I guess you know, we could, like Pernicious, for example, mm-hmm. would be a good example. Um, so that's kind of how we we tried to limit the risk. Because, you know, like you said, it is hard to introduce people to new styles and right. new things. So hopefully that'll be enough to carry us through the experimentation. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I've been thinking this whole time because I feel like you've used the word convince a lot. You know, I've had to <laughs> yeah. convince so-and-so or convince people, or now we're trying to convince people to come and drink. Um, aside from, the, from the, the feedback that you got from judges at brewing comp, uh, competitions, What's been the feedback um, from people? What have been their objections? What have been the things that like you found that they're gravitating towards and the things that uh, maybe you think that they, they don't like as much? Uh, well, I think it's definitely there. there is a standard format for the fruit to use. So a lot of the times when we experiment outside of the uh, certain fruits, you kind of get flavors that you didn't anticipate. Um, so a lot of the feedback has been, you know, everyone has their favorite fruit. So we did a raspberry and we posted on like social media and people go crazy for like a raspberry beer. By the way, those, who's taking your pictures? Because they are beautiful. That's just me. Really? He's taking that with his iPhone, huh? Yeah. We actually doing everything. You're doing a very nice job. We actually have a a guy that, um, we're bringing in as a, as a, a partner in a marketing, um, sort of design, creative designer. Um, his name's Toby D'Angelo. He's pretty big in the craft beer culture around here. A lot of the people in the groups know him, but he has a background with HSN and different commercial photography. So he's been kind of schooling me a little bit. Gotcha. Um, and uh, he's kind of a jack of all trades. So he's actually helping us build out the brewery as well. Once we transition from renovation construction, mm-hmm. we're just going to hand all that off to him. So he'll do all the pictures and marketing and 
plan all those different aspects of our business. But yeah, he's definitely helped me a lot with teaching, you know, a lot of things I didn't know. I used to be terrible at taking pictures, but now, you know, I'll take 10 or 15 and he'll walk through and tell me like, this is what you should focus on. This is what you should do. So that's been a great help. So he's been a good mentor. And obviously the feedback has been really great too on, on like Facebook and stuff. So I think we're on to something with the, with the whole picture thing. So what have we've, we've tried three different beers so far. We have. Take us through those real quick. So the first one was our was our very first beer that we brewed with wild yeast, which was the the local peach. So we got uh, local farmers, um, got us the peaches with the dew still on the skins, which really help um, when you're trying to culture up yeast and microflora. So we pitched those in Ward, and that became our sort of investor beer. It's uh, six pounds of peaches per gallon. Um, the second beer we had was uh, our Imperial Berliner with pineapple and passion fruit. Uh, we originally brewed it with just pineapple, but the pineapple wasn't strong enough, so we decided to double down and add passion fruit. Uh, it's a nine and a half percent Berliner, so it's, it's a pretty interesting it's like mix. It's like a triple imperial. <laughs> it really Berliner. is. Yeah, it is, and you can't taste the alcohol, which kind of makes it dangerous. No, it's, can't taste it in any of these. It is, and then so this one is uh, the third one is a blackberry that we did. Um, we mixed our yeast with a couple of really old lambic bottles that somebody get, brought to the brewery, and and we cultured that yeast up. And this was the first time that we had mixed our yeast with a uh, with another uh, yeast that we cultured from an actual bottle. I think it was. Uh, from the 90s or something. Um, so that was the first time we ever got to do that. And then we pitched four four pounds per gallon of Blackberry. Um, these are the three that we've had so far. I have one more that, that I, I, I'm tasting the Blackberry, and it feels like I'm going to get seeds stuck in my teeth. Like it, it's it's yeah. serious Blackberry. I really like really this good. one, um, and it has a it has some some I think very floral it does. Uh, nose and also um, taste. Like is that is that something that's imparted by the barrels? I mean, what kind of flavors do the barrels? In part, I mean, typically with, you know, like if it's French oak or something like that, you're right. going to get a lot of vanilla, a lot of like yeasty uh, flavor, stuff like that. Yeah, I think uh, probably at the stage that we're getting the barrels, they're, they're a lot more neutral. Um, and the idea behind the wood, which really works well with our model, is we're, we're really wanting to create a habitat for the yeast to live in. So, again, this is probably something that would make wit go crazy, but we don't necessarily want to kill the yeast in the barrels every time we rinse out a beer or empty a beer. Um, we'll rinse it with like warm water, hot water, and uh, just kind of clean out all the particulate. Then we'll just repitch a beer. Um, so all that yeast that's living in the wood then comes back out, and you know, obviously, the challenge for us is to make sure that it's not producing a lot of off flavors. Or does that mean you're going to designate certain barrels for certain beers only, so Definitely. you can try to maintain some kind of consistency? Definitely. And and once we get some that we really like, we're going to order fooders for those, and then we're going to dump those barrels, break up the actual barrels, and put the staves in the fooder. Um, okay. To and sort just of so people that. know, what's a fooder? So a fooder would be a large oak vessel. It's it's typically over you know 300 gallons. I mean they make smaller ones for like boutique wineries but mm-hmm. that's typically what it's used for is wineries and it, it holds you know hundreds of gallons of, of liquid whereas a, a typical wine barrel is 59 gallons for us so, so are these first use barrels or have they been used with wine nope they've been used with wine okay. yeah i mean this one literally smells like you walk into a flower shop yeah it does yeah it's amazing what i mean as far as i'd like to oh, never mind i was gonna say something weird <laughs> Let's focus I'd like, on it. I'd like to pollinate that. Steve, as far as the process goes really yeah. quickly, though, um, you're not just aging in, in these barrels. You're actually fermenting in them. That's Are true. Are you aging in them as well? Are you racking over into different barrels to age? How's that work? Yeah, that's, an, that's a, I'm glad you brought that up. So, so we have special barrels that we have designated for our primary fermentation, which is the first three to five days. Um, we take the tops off of those and just open ferment with like a cheesecloth over top of it until it gets really vigorous. And then um, a lot of times it'll just blow it off. Mm-hmm. 
Um, once the fermentation starts to slow down and the the yeast isn't producing enough CO2 to protect itself from other infections other than the ones we've mm-hmm. given it, um, we transfer it to a closed barrel so that okay. we can so we can control the uh, the oxygen ingress in the beer to make sure that it's still a quality product. I mean, we're still using basic fundamentals of brewing that you mm-hmm. would see in a commercial brewery in terms of our process, just not the same equipment. I think that's a uh, that's a big uh, that's a big tell. So the the beer that I'm opening now is uh, one we did. So this is just our our base uh, wild saison that we dry hopped with Citra um, to kind of show you uh, the maturing stages of the beer. This one's a little young, so you're going to get a little bit of uh, like a Cheerio flavor on the end. But I, I really wanted to show you guys what it was like. So this is a beer that is about two weeks, I think, from probably being certainly smell the citra. Something that yeah. So put citra in anything, and you can and you can definitely drink it. Uh, I learned that in my homebrewing days. Any homebrewer that used citra, I, I would definitely volunteer to try their beer. So Steve, a couple of things you and I have talked about in the past, and we were talking. I think it was last week we were talking to a tap line about mm-hmm. about food. You know, you said you went out and bought a Komodo grill, and you were, mm-hmm. you know, getting accustomed to, to cooking on that. So, what are you guys going to do for food, if, if anything, or what's your plans there? So, yeah, we uh, we definitely have a, a year two strategy, and that that it definitely involves a, a second location that we want. So, we're kind of doing it backwards. If you look at guys like Trophy, um, we're opening probably one of the hardest styles of beer um, to right. brew. And we're creating a clean room inside of that to do, you know, clean beer because we want to do some stouts and barrels. But also, um, we're doing it backwards in the sense that we're taking the gamble on the production facility first, and then we're getting into the brew pub space um, in year two. So, the idea behind the the Komodo Grill is we, uh, you know, like Patrick mentioned, his family has been heavily involved in barbecues, and they own barbecues even to this day in Kansas City. Um, so that's something that he's been passionate about. Um, so we wanted to start practicing and keeping uh, keeping people excited about what we're working on in the future as we begin to open this uh, brewery. We're going to offer free samples of the barbecue as we continue to develop our recipes. Um, we're going to keep it simple. It'll only be three or four different SKUs. One is uh, that we've been working on is a twice-smoked buffalo chicken dip. So we do a beer can chicken. Then we pull the chicken and we mix it with fresh cheeses and buffalo sauce, and then we smoke it again in cast iron skillets. Mm. Um, and we're going to be serving that for free on certain days at the brewery. Could Just have served get- it for free today. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. He was telling me about this last week, and we were uh, exchanging some tips on. Uh, right, because I've been using a big green egg now for I don't know ten years, uh, and they're very similar. I mean, same concept, mm-hmm. ceramic komodo. But uh, so yeah, we were exchanging some tips last week. So yeah, it was. I want you to talk about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's something that, that we're really excited, and that was how I, uh, going back to the convinced statement, that's how I convinced Patrick that uh, he could take a risk on this, and then I would take a risk on him for barbecue, because obviously I know nothing about restaurants or food. Um, I don't like the go. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah, exactly, same. But I mean, I love cooking, so he's kind of helping me sort of develop a Kansas City style, and um, once we get there, it'll be an all-clean brew pub, so we'll be doing clean beers there. And where's that going to be? Uh, we haven't actually identified a location yet, <laughs> but we're looking. We're looking, um, and we're trying to convince Wayne to buy us someplace so that we can actually open up sooner than later. Yeah, we're working on that too. So, um, <laughs> so you are currently the production facility is Durham. Yep, it is in Durham? South South Durham south, okay. uh, RTP area. We're right on the Durham city limit, uh, right off fifty five. If you know where the glass jug is, we're about a quarter mile there, and. We look forward to working with them and kind of making a sort of a destination spot in that area. And um, they already are. I mean, it's yeah, just oh, amazing. They I remember when they were when Chris and Katie were going to open up, and they found that spot, and I'm shaking my head going, what do they know that I don't know? Well, they knew something because, man, they have crushed it. Yeah, I mean, we, we 
frequent their location, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially yeah. when we get off. We go to have a couple of beers, and it's always packed and great service, uh, great people. Everyone that works for them is super passionate about beer. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're definitely blessed to be close to them, and we look forward to doing some special stuff with them. We don't really have any plans to distribute um, – other than like the the people that we've worked with, like uh like the glass jug, well we hope to work with the glass jug and then tapline growler people that you know we my house yeah right so we, we actually <laughs> funny story about tapline growler we were uh, wanting them to open or couldn't wait for them to open back when they were going to be in that little Caesar space uh, they actually moved to the the main street square when we were moving into a townhouse there so I used to bug Justin and Jessica all the time like when are you opening what can I do to help because I really wanted to learn about how to like put together a walk in cooler and stuff. So he was really helpful, and he really like pulled the curtain back and showed me pretty much anything I wanted to know and let me help. And, and we actually pitched to all of our investors in Tapline, which is kind of a special place for us. So, yeah, we're going to do some really special things with Tapline also. Um, there's just a lot of really great beer places, I think, in the Triangle for sure. So one more thing. Tell us about this contraption you've got to open up these bottles that you brought in. It's a it's, Bowie knife. In fact, we need to get a picture of this and post it, because this is pretty cool. He's he's field dressing beers in the studio. Wow, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> so so one of the, the cool aspects, so uh, Pat and, and myself, we went to college together, and we, we studied computer science, but we majored in game design. So we wanted to be these game designers and come up with the, you know this next this next level game. And we really loved the storytelling aspect of video games. Um, so when we started this whole brewery concept, we were like, you know, we should really integrate like storytelling. So we started coming up with the theme, the art of storytelling. So everything in the brewery essentially has a story and it was done by somebody that we can talk about. Um, the tap handles were something that I really wanted to do cool. So I started racking my brain for ideas and I knew about this guy whose name's uh, James R. Clark. Um, and he has like a two year waiting list for these insane bottle cap openers called whale slayers. They're huge. Like Adam said, you know, two feet long, they probably weigh five pounds. Um, he hand forges them in his backyard. So it's a, it's an, he posts all these videos. I mean, it's an incredible process and he's just an incredible artist. Um, so I reached out to him and I wanted him. I wanted to know if he would do one for me because I knew about the wait list and I, I didn't think you know I was I didn't even think he would answer me first of all, but he did, um, and he uh, had to drive to town to give us a call because he lives so far out in the country. Um, <laughs> but when I told him our story and our concept and what we wanted to do, um, he offered to make them all. So uh, his his only uh, requirement was that we you know we fly out there and help him make the last two and that he gets to come to our grand opening and meet everyone and kind of you know display the tap handles for the first. So these time. aren't just you know what you're using it for, which was to open the beers. These right. are actually going to be your tap handles. They are. So that's that's definitely one of them. So yeah, look at look on the bottom of it. Yep. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah it's threaded. threaded. I, I hope no one has to reach up above <laughs> the taps and slips. Because if they land on these things, it's going to impel them. So, so that's the only one that has the tip. Okay. And the reason why he uh, he made this specific one was so that you could get an idea what the front of the uh, the, the well slayer looks like. Um, his specialty is actually the twist in the metal. So it's usually the back end of the uh, the well slayer that's the real artistic part. So the, the rule that we had was, hey, you can make 20, but they can't all be the same. You know, just show us what you can do um take creative freedom over it and uh he did do one that is the tip of the harpoon for for what the whale slayer looks like and that's we're putting a cork on top of it actually we usually keep a cork on it because patrick's definitely afraid that i'm going to stab myself yeah, which no i doubt. have which i have yes yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty uh, pretty rad all right so uh last thing though what's what's our timeline look what's when 
I guess is the question for people can go and start drinking these beers. Yeah, we're definitely hoping for June. Um, it's just a matter of the the permits. Um, we're definitely going to be ready to open in June. Uh, what we'll probably do is have some sort of a soft opening where we'll feature our guest taps and maybe do a couple collab beers with guys like Wit and different breweries that are friends of ours. Um, but as far as our beer being on tap that we brew all in house, we're we're just waiting for that permit. So a matter of time. Um, hopefully by beginning of June, mid June, we'll be we'll be brewing our own beer for you know sales and production. Awesome. Well, good luck to you guys. Thanks for coming in. We appreciate it. I think you guys have a really great, unique idea um, that I think I think a lot of people will like it because there's, there's a lot of similarity in the market and um I, I i enjoyed all the beers you guys brought in i'm, I'm looking for especially summertime coming up now it's a great time if you're around yeah. the ballpark outdoor drinking some of Crush these a couple of those nine percent yeah. Oh, yeah i mean <laughs> really good in the uh, hammock yeah. <laughs> those are beer mile beers That's right. <laughs> steve english and patrick keegan uh here from barrel culture brewing which is going to be opening up here in durham in a little while thanks again for coming in guys we really appreciate it yeah thanks so much for having us us. Mm -hmm. so next week we got a special treat uh leah wong ashburn from highland brewing company is coming in uh she's going to be she and holly their brewer brewmaster sorry they're coming in i think they're doing a collaboration with trophy so while they're they're actually speaking sunday at uh, house of hops i believe at two o'clock leah's speaking Uh, i think it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks per person if you want to go and then my wife's going gotcha so So we're going to steal our way on monday and 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 actually you know get her on the podcast for next week so we're really looking forward to that and uh food's going to be coming up from ruckus apex conrad's Mm. new place there so Looking forward to it. A lot of great stuff coming up. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Make sure you catch us on WRLSportsFan.com, right? Uh, on the 919 Beer Podcast, 96.5 FM, 99.3 FM, 620 The Buzz on Saturdays if you're listening. We appreciate it. Oh, at 99.9 HD2 as well. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. You've been listening to the 919 Beer Podcast on Buzz Sports Radio. Brought to you by Beeracana Craft Beer and Music Festival on Saturday, September 9th. More details at Beeracana.com. Tune in next Saturday at 8 for more beer, food, and fun with Joe Ovius, Wayne Holt, and Adam Eshbaugh. And don't forget, you can download the show anytime at WRALsportsfan.com and on our new WRAL Sports app in the iTunes and Google Play stores.